amazing time. Well, we are back on track, studying through the book of Revelation, going through um, Jesus revealed, or Christ revealed. And this morning we will continue in this book that has promised a blessing to those who read, hear, and keep the things that are written in it. That's the promises we have, just in this book alone, but... um, We've been covering the letters that were written to the seven churches in Asia Minor, which is our modern-day Turkey, as you all know by now. We have gone from seaport cities to the northernmost city, and then inland. As I've shared with you, the graph of my, my, my awkward kind of horseshoe or whatever, um, as, as you look at the maps and how we are now inland, and, and these letters that we're kind of going over, we are going over, um, are not the, le- the type of letters that one might think when you think of a letter. They're more of short notes to each of the churches. But man, oh man, are these notes <laughs> powerful. But in reality, they are letters. Everybody refers to them as the letters to the seven churches, but they are truly powerful Some as short as four verses and some as long as 12 verses are just, um, they can rock your world if you really take them personal because we're supposed to take them personal. And so we are, um, we have already covered four of the seven churches. So I guess we could say that we are over the hump in that sense. And so we have two more churches to cover. The first church that we covered was the church of Ephesus, which was the church that lacked love and was or had left their first love they hadn't lost their first love they had left their first love and they were to remember repent and return the second church being the church of smyrna this was the persecuted church that jesus didn't have anything bad to say to them but he encourages them to hang in there Even unto death, hang in there. And I know that sometimes when you hear, just hang in there, you know, it's like, how long? And it's like, until death, basically. Hang in there until death. The third church was the church of Pergamos. And this this was the church that was worldly. It was worldly in that it allowed outside influence to be taught as doctrine, as teaching in the church. And even though there was some faithful followers there in Pergamos, the rest were to repent. And then the fourth church that we looked at last week is the church of Thyatira. This was the idolatrous church. It tolerated the sin of idolatry and sexual immorality. It allowed it to continue knowing that it was going on. But, the, but there was some within the church that Jesus encouraged to hold fast to what they knew until he came. And to the rest, he gave them the commandment to repent. Except for, for Smyrna and the churches that we've already covered, the, the end result is repent. <laughs> repent. It's no different this morning than what we're going to be looking at. Repent. It's turn around. Stop it. Knock it off. Go the other way. And so this morning we continue in the seven churches. And as we have finished now Revelation chapter 2, turn if you will, if you're not there already, to Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 to the sixth verse here. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how... You have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come to you as a thief, and you will not know 
what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, as we come before you, as we, as we have just read your word once again, Lord God, people have heard your word. Lord, we pray that you would just pour out your blessing upon us, Lord. Lord, you've given us instruction. Lord, you've given us ears to hear. And I pray that as a church, Lord, we would hear what you have to say to us, Lord. Lord, what a blessing that you have given us. Commands like repent <laughs> so that we can get right to you, for you or with you. And so, Jesus, I pray that this morning you would speak to us and that you would help me even as I convey this message, Lord God, to share with power and boldness, clarity of heart, Lord. That God, you would just, just use me, Lord, for your, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> and to the angel of the church of Sardis write. Th th this messenger, as I was thinking about this, this portion of scripture, this messenger had a tough message to give to this church. It's a tough message. You see, there's nothing good in this message in that sense. He doesn't commend them for anything, basically. But he is only the messenger. <laughs> Jesus is the one that is giving the church of Sardis a hard message. And this messenger was to deliver it, not to water it down. He was to deliver it just the way he had received it. <clears throat> I think oftentimes when, when there's hard portions of Scripture, we like to water them down a little bit. You know, we, we, we like to think that it's like really for somebody else, not for me. <laughs> You know, it couldn't be possibly for me. It has to be for somebody else. And so, and even when we're sharing it with somebody else, we kind of just kind of water it down, soften the blow somewhat. Man, there is no softening the blow here. And this messenger is faithful to deliver this message to the church of Sardis. Now, the city of Sardis was one of the oldest and greatest cities in the Asia Minor in the B.C. times. And for that world, and for that uh, matter, for the world as, as well, in one time in history, it was the capital city of, of the ancient kingdom of Lydia, a powerful kingdom back in the day. Not a huge kingdom. Not, it wasn't a worldwide kingdom like, like you might think of, of all the other kingdoms that we read in Daniel and stuff. But it was, it was a good enough kingdom that, that, that it was pretty powerful. Rich, rich. <clears throat> And this city was about 30 miles southeast of Thyatira and about 45 miles east of Smyrna, which was the seaport city. So just kind of almost going across, you would run into Sardis, Smyrna being that seaport city that we covered a few weeks back. And this was an interesting city in, in, in the sense that it had two parts to the city. Part of it was on the flat plain on the, on the ground, kind of a valley, the Hermas Valley. And, and it had major, major roads running through it from east to west and from north to south. And so it was a major town, a major city back in the day. And so, again, you could go from Smyrna all the way over to Sardis and continue going east and stuff. And you can go from, from the south all the way up to Pergamos. And, you know, it, so it was major. It was a crossroads right there. And so it was a, an important city. And it, it, it was... It was important. It was, it was a huge um, thoroughfare. You know, everybody kind of went through there. It wasn't like, like the city that, or the, the town that we uh, talked about last week, Tyre Tyra, that was in the middle of those two. You know, it was just kind of a pass-through. This one actually had a crossroads, and it was very, uh, uh, it was busy. 
And the, the other part of this city was, was on this steep cliff that was about 1,500 feet above the city there. And, and it was an interesting, because you can go online once again and, and look at pictures, and it is this, this almost impenetrable cliff that it had a narrow way through the back to come up, and the military used it as a, as a, a lookout point. And, and it just looks so gnarly because they just built the wall along these, the edge of this cliff that made it even higher, but, but it was practically impenetrable. But because of their unwatchfulness, twice in their history, they, they were overtaken, they were conquered. And, and, and it had to do because they weren't watchful, which is interesting because Jesus tells the church, you be watchful. Be watchful. And it's almost reminding them of their history of that city that because they were lax, because they let down their guard, they got conquered. A few times, a couple of times. It was the first city to mint coins. It was a very rich city. It had a lot of gold and silver kind of mixed together and stuff. And they, would, they, 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 they minted coins. And it was a very wealthy, opulent, loose-living, pleasure-seeking city. Sardis was a city of decadence and, and depravity and excess. And as I was thinking about that, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. We could always think of like, you know, Vegas or whatever. But I was thinking of like the Hollywood crowd, you know, the socialites that have just everything you want, you know, and nothing is, is beyond their means. You know, they can grab whatever they want because they are so rich. And so oftentimes because they are that rich and stuff, they become very decadent. You know, it's, it's almost like they can do whatever they want. And that was this city back in the times. They, they, they were that rich. They had that much stuff going on. And it's interesting because there's a church there. <laughs> and so much was happening, even within the church, I'm sure, at a time. So as we just read, Jesus has nothing good to say to the church of Sardis now. He, he describes himself as having the seven spirits of God, which speaks of the fullness completeness and perfection of the holy spirit found in isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 where it says the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the lord see in in that verse in isaiah we 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 get the seven characteristics of god's holy spirit he is the spirit of god he is the spirit of wisdom. He is the spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might or power. The spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That is the fullness, the completeness of God. The perfection of God. And Jesus also says that he has the seven stars. And as we learned in chapter 1, these are the seven angels, the seven messengers or pastors, if you will, of the seven churches. Referring to the fact that he has the fullness, completeness, and perfection of the church in his grasp, in his hands. Again, both of these descriptions are in chapter 1 that we read about a while back. Now Jesus describes himself like this because this church, this church's works were not perfect or complete before God. As we read, or at the end of verse 2 as it says, I haven't found your works to be perfect before God. But he says, but I'm perfect, I'm complete, I have it all. <laughs> and it's interesting because this church is in a place that as we look at the, the, the last part of chapter 1, going into the, the, the first part of chapter 2, as, as we're looking at that point, I'm thinking to myself as I'm studying this and looking at this, thinking these, have probably, these probably have to be the hardest verses to take in. 
If you're a Christian, they are so hard to, to take in because you almost have to like examine yourself. And we should be examining ourselves all the time. But when you look at these two verses, the last part of one and, and into uh, verse two, they are super hard to, to really comprehend and take in. Because when we read and when we hear the Scriptures, we are supposed to take them in. Not just think, oh man, that is good for so and so. I wish they were here today. You see, and, and, and throughout the week, having to battle this, this text, for me personally, I, I know that he is talking to the church of, of Sardis. And see, I could have stopped right there. It's like, man, that church was bad. They were really bad. He had nothing to good. Shame on them. I'm glad it's them and not me. But this is also speaking to individual churches, guys. And I've been sharing with you throughout this whole time as we're going through the churches that it's not just talking about the literal church, that the, each church, but it's, it's talked about the church throughout history, the church that's going on today. But we also have to take it personal as well. As individuals that make up the church. You see, when you're reading all of these letters, all of these notes, they're so powerful. They're meant to be personal as well. Because ultimately, we are to take all Scripture personal. Because He's writing it to me. He's try- writing it to you. It's interesting. You, you come on Sunday morning and it's like, okay, teach me something, preacher boy. Share something with me, man. See, I've been battling this stinking verse. I mean, it's not stinking, but you know what I'm saying. It, I've been battling this all week because you're going over it and you're studying it and you're going, man, oh man. Man, there, there's so many things that are being hit in my heart, you know. And so when I'm coming to preach it, I'm going, man, there's so much that, that man, my little pea brain has not been able to capture this week because I've been convicted in so many areas and have battled this. And then it's like, well, now i got to present it to my people. And they're just coming in fresh. <laughs> it's like, what do you got, man? And it's like, man, it's hardcore. And like I shared, this is not an easy message. It's not an easy message for the messenger to give or even for Jesus to, to, to share. It's like, man, I find nothing good in you. It's like, oh, it's hard. But he says, I know your works. And Jesus says that to each of the churches. I know your works. And we've read that. And so you could get to that, this point over the hump of all the other churches. like, oh, yeah, 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 I know about he says that to everybody. I know your works. It's like, yeah, because he doesn't, nothing escapes him. He sees it all, good and bad. I know your works. You see, what a church is and what it does and why it does it, the motives behind everything are not hidden from Jesus. But again, we can look at it and say, yeah, it's them. He's like, no, it's you too. It's you, too. Everything that you're about as a Christian, he sees it. He sees the motives behind it. And, and, and we can be so busy for the Lord. He goes, I know your works. And you're going, yeah, dang right, Lord. I am so busy for you. But he sees the motive behind everything we do. He, he, he has this, this, <laughs> this thing that he kind of like just sees past the facade and everything that we put up and all of us put them up and he sees the heart and he sees the attitude behind the heart that's the thing you know that again we can just skip through it. oh yeah you know your works oh yeah oh geez man he, he has nothing to good to say about them and yet when we start looking at it personally he goes i know your works i know where you're at and you're going yeah Lord, i mean all these things it's like no but i know your heart oh yeah you know my but i know the motive behind that heart. it's like man lord you dig deep don't you you reach down deep he says you have a name that you are alive <clears throat> or as some translations put it you have a reputation of being alive in, in, in other words the church of sardis was like the city of Sardis. It was really, really busy. There was so much happening. The church 
The church was engaged. It was, it was moving. At, at, at the time of this writing, the city of Sardis had already passed its heyday. The church of, or, or the city of Sardis was, was in a decline and it was dying, but it was putting out this, this facade that it, was, it still had it going on, that things were still happening. And I'm sure there was movement, there was stuff going on. But as a city, it had already been defeated in many ways. Not, not just the physical, but the city itself was dying out. <clears throat> but yet the city was, was looking very much alive. And it, it was putting the impression that it was thriving because it had a reputation from the past that it was alive. But it had already died for all intents and purposes. It was, it was on the decline. And it would, it would continue on a decline, even at the time of this writing. Now, I'm not saying that the church of Sardis looked like a gravesite or a graveyard, at the time. I, I think it's quite the opposite. At the time of this writing, they didn't look dead. I, I, I believe this church probably looked very much alive. It, it had things going on. But they didn't even, in, in their, they, they were already past their time as well because their works were dead, as he said. And so all, for all intents and purposes, they were already dead, as far as Jesus was concerned. They thought that they were living. They thought that everything was going good. But Jesus looks beyond all the exterior, and he looks at them, what's going on inside, and he sees what's happening inside. He says, you're already dead. You see, they, they probably weren't even concerned at the time with what Jesus said because they looked very much alive. They acted very much alive. But I think that they were, more pro, they were probably more concerned ab about their reputation and their standing within the church. They were more concerned of, of how they were they were standing within the, co the, 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 the community and economy of the city that they were still going, they were still moving and stuff. But in the community and the economy of God, he says, you're dead. You're already dead. Everything that you're doing, you're just going through the motions and there's no, no motion, there, there's no emotion attached to it. You're just going through it. And that was just a sad commentary to, 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 as I'm reading and studying this and again, battling what's going on in my life and the church's life. And, and it's like, Lord, where are we at? Where am I at? <laughs> you see, when we read something like, like, like Sardis and, and, and these people that have this name that says that they live, but Jesus says, but you are dead. This is where we get the word nominal Christian from. The word nominal means name. You're, you're a Christian in name only. Because you've been one for a while, maybe. Because your parents told you you were. Because at one point you accept the Lord, but you know what? You're at a point where you're just in name only called a Christian. But there's no real life there anymore. You may profess Christ, but you do not possess any real spiritual life going on and see this is where again man we have to be checking ourselves because we're looking at this going but i have a name that says i'm alive because even the name christian should should trigger life <laughs> because of who jesus is who who conquered death he, he he is alive and alive forever and he gives life to people that are in him. And so just the name of alone of being called a Christian says that you have life. And Jesus tells them, you have a name that, that, that says life or, or you have a name that, is, that was alive. And, and perhaps maybe they had a, a sign out in front. The Church of the Living Savior. <laughs> it's quite possible. You had, they had this name that, that, that people are going, yeah, it's alive. 
but they were truly dead inside. And here's the interesting thing. They didn't even know it, it seemed like. <laughs> and I don't know about you, man, but as I was thinking about that, it's like, man, isn't that really, really bad that people are dead and they think they're alive? And there, there, there really is no life, and they're just kind of going through the motions. They, they look alive, but they're not. I, I don't know if you've ever been to churches that seem to be alive, but they're really dead. And you see, I came out of a religion whose churches were grand and big, and they had so much, it seemed like, going on. Because you looked at it, and it's like, whoa, man. They look very much alive, but spiritually speaking, they're cold and they're dead. And it's not just religious churches, it's Christian churches that have become religious in a lot of ways. A lot of Christian churches can be the same way, man. They have, it seems like they, are, they have it all going on. They have the programs, they have the ministries, they have the staffs, they have the, this, and they have that, man. And you're just going, man, they're, they're just humming. They look so alive. They're moving forward, it looks like. They're doing so much. And oftentimes, <laughs> a lot of times, it's just to impress other people, other churches. Look at what we got going on. And I'm not saying all those things are, are, are inherently bad. It's good that, that they're, they're doing, but, but if they're not doing it for for the right reasons, because they are alive in Christ, and if they're just doing it, and they've kind of passed their heyday, man, but, but they have the, the funds to continue to look like they're alive, what good is it? There's so many people that are sitting in those churches, and they're thinking, man, I go to so-and-so's church, and man, we've got everything going on, and yet, spiritually speaking, those same people are dead. There is no spiritual life in them. They, they, they've either compromised their life or they're, 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 they're being called nominal Christians because of the, the way they conduct themselves. They're going, I see no life in you. And it's, it, it, it's a, a, a sad commentary in that. These, these guys are like dead men walking, man. They look like those, those cheesy zombie films back in the day. You know, it's like... I know people are into zombies nowadays and stuff, but it's like, no, they're just dead. They're moving. They look like they have life, but they're dead. They, they, they've assumed room temperature already. They're dead. They, they might be going through the motions, but there's no emotion behind it. There's no spiritual life behind it. And so all week long, again, man, I've been, I've been battling and asking myself a lot of questions as to where... I am at. Am I, do I do what I do because, again, this is just what I do? Because I have to check myself just like everybody else needs to check themselves. Why do I do what the things that I do? Is there true life in me or do I just get used to what I do because you could do it in your sleep oftentimes? Because I've been a Christian for so long. I've just put it on cruise control. And I could cruise. <laughs> and so I have to ask myself, even as your pastor, where am I at? I have to ask myself, where are we at as a church? Am I, are we like a chicken without a head running around looking really, really busy, probably more busy than that chicken has ever been? It's covering a lot of territory at the time. But it has no head. It's dead. It's just a matter of time before you go, ah, clink. <laughs> it looked really busy a second ago. But see, it was dead when it lost the head. It was dead already. It just had to wind down, man. Are we, am I, running around like a chicken without a head? You see, and I have, to, I have to ask myself continually that as your pastor. Why do I do what I do? Why do we as a church do what we do? 
I was reminded of what Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 27, where he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you are full of dead man's bones and unclean. Sad. You see, it's sad because these Pharisees were very much alive. He's talking to someone who's talking back to them, to him. They, 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 they looked very much alive, but spiritually speaking, they were dead, even as they lived. They were dead, spiritually dead. And Jesus knew that in their hearts. Outwardly, man, you put on the facade, you put all those things on, and you look like those, 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 those coffins that are out there or, or, or those sepulchers that are out there. Outwardly, man, they looked white and they... But inward, they, they were full of dead man's bones. And that's what the church, or what Jesus is telling the church in Sardis. But you are dead. You are dead. All the while thinking that you're alive. Because you're doing so much, but you are dead. In other words, you have ceased to be productive in the spiritual sense. And all the works that you are doing now are dead works. They're dead works. No, knowing what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, But you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Understanding, as I'm studying, looking at this, understanding that Jesus has made alive that which was spiritually dead. Whoa, what power. The amazing things that Jesus can do that you who were spiritually dead, He's made alive. And then to allow that life that Jesus has, has given to us, allow that which was alive to die. And it wasn't because Jesus couldn't maintain that life. It wasn't because Jesus couldn't sustain that life. Because He's given us everything, as Second Peter 1.3 says, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who calls us to glory and virtue. He is able to sustain and maintain that life that He has given those who He's brought from the dead, basically. And then for a church or an individual who has received that spiritual life, to now just let it die. To become dead. If in fact the, the, the church of Sardis was effective at one point in their history to the city of Sardis, it had ceased to be that at one point. It ceased to be effective because they stopped becoming productive. And the evidence was that there was no sign of opposition against them. Get that. There was no sign of opposition against them. Like we see with Smyrna, right? There was a lot of opposition coming against them. He says, hey, hang on. To, 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 to one of those churches, he's going, man, you, you are like, there's, it's, it's the devil's playground, man. Everything's happening right there. People are coming from without and from within. Hang in there. Hang in there. But see, we see no opposition here. If they were alive and thriving at one time, they had become so lax, so ineffective, that all of a sudden, there was no more opposition. Now one would say, well, no opposition is good, isn't it? You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? But no. It's not good. If we are not, as Christians, on the offensive, even as a church, if we are not taking ground for God and for the kingdom, and taking ground away from the enemy, then we become ineffective. The enemy is going, you are no threat to me any longer. Why should I oppose you? You've blended in, <laughs> or you've just stopped because of the pressure We have to become effective. 
We are not just to maintain ground. We are to take ground. And as a church, again, man, I, I, I've told people, I am a good maintainer. I can maintain things. And that scares me. That scares me because I could kill it if I just maintain it. If I am not taking ground, if I am not having a vision that not just for the year, but for 10, 15, 20 years in advance, then I could just maintain. It's like, let's just keep the status quo. Let's not cause any waves. Hey, how about if we just go back to the shore where, where we don't have to go into the deep? <laughs> I can maintain that. We can all maintain that. But we're never going to get to our destination. We're never going to grow. You know, I, I, I've heard this before, that, that, that a lot of these, these churches, they start with a man, and then it becomes a movement. And then becomes a machine, and then becomes a monument. That's where Sardis was. It had become a monument. Because it wasn't a movement anymore. They weren't productive anymore. And it scares me. It scares me for our church. It scares me for me as a Christian because I could just sit and do nothing and not have opposition and forget the movement. <laughs> You know, I, I, I guess I would say, man, we want the movement, man. We want, we want it to, to, to flow like a well-oiled machine, but be careful. Because you put it on autopilot, and pretty soon you're a monument. And that's where this church was, and we need to be careful. Because it's only a matter of time, if you just maintain and not take ground, it's only a matter of time that you become stagnant. You start to dry up eventually you're dead because there's no real sign of spiritual life see the spirit of life or the spirit of God gives life but if somebody wants to just have the name say that they live and not have the power that is attached to it that gives life you are dead even as you live Jesus tells them in verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Strengthen. In other words, the word be careful or be watchful means wake up. So, so when he tells them wake up, it's almost, it almost seems that they were only mostly dead. Not all dead. And, and even if they were all dead, Jesus is into resurrecting dead things. So he still was giving them hope here. If there's any commendation that he's giving them, he's, he's telling them right here, you be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain, which are ready to die. If you don't react, if you don't turn, if you don't do something, it is ready to die. And I know that he could resurrect it, but you know what? There's no church in Sardis right now. There is none. All these seven churches that we've, we're studying and looking at, for the most part, they don't exist. Oh, you can go to the ruins in Turkey. But by and large, man, they're, 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 they're not productive like they used to be. There might be some Christians here and there. There might be that remnant that we're going to look at. But it's overrun by a Muslim country now. Wake up, he says. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. God is into resurrecting even the dead. And you see, I don't know where you're, where you're at right now. I don't know if you've checked yourself lately, if there's even a pulse going on. It's like, uh. In our Christian life and in our Christian walk, we can sometimes become cold and dried up becoming dead in our Christianity. And we are to, like, wake up. <laughs> Check yourself. See if there is a pulse. And strengthen the things that remain. Because nothing is impossible with God. You see, the, 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 the main thrust here is repent. Because God can bring you back from the dead. If you feel dead, if you feel like, man, there is no productivity, you've tried to maintain it, but you've dried up, and now you're dead. But you still come. You look good. Y'all look good. 
And see, you can fake me out all stinking day long, man, because you look good. But Jesus sees your heart. And he sees you sitting there and you're dead. Thinking, how do you know? Because you're asleep on me right now. You look dead. Not really. <laughs> Kitty, if, you, if I could give you a good nap, take a good nap. But for the church of Sardis, even those things that remained were already dying. And he says, wake up. Wake up. There have been people in my life who, they're on fire for the Lord at one time, and something happened. I don't know what it was. I looked up to them, man, and, and, and all of a sudden it just seemed like they fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> they are now spiritually dead and ineffective for the Lord, and it hurts. And for, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. That's why I say, check yourself, guys. We need to continually check ourselves. Each, each one of us, are we on fire for the Lord? Or is there just a small little ember, you know? that's ready to die out. We need to fan the flame. We need to fan it and, and get it. That's our part, man. Jesus has been able to, to give us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and we have to hang in there. We have to move forward. We cannot just stop. Although they were doing works, Jesus says they're not perfect with God. And the word perfect means complete. They weren't measuring up. To, the, to, to what God required. And, and probably had to do with their lack of love. It just became a machine. And there was no more emotion attached to it. There was more, no more love. And so it, it was incomplete and imperfect. And it's quite possible that they were just doing everything to keep their reputation going. In verse 3, and I need to hurry. It says, Remember therefore how you received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Because if you don't repent, then I'm going to come and snatch what, I, what you do have, like a thief. Jesus didn't, say, didn't tell them to remember what they had received, but how they had received it. They had received the gospel, the, 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 the story of Jesus and how he died for them and, and what he offered to them, but how did they, they hear it and how did they receive it? Through the power of, of the Holy Spirit. And there's a warning in Galatians when Paul says, having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to make it perfect in the flesh? And that's kind of what th happened here. They had received it in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, but it became so, so ritualistic that it was now, it, it just became part of their flesh. And so Jesus is reminding the church of Sardis that he has the seven spirits of God. He has the fullness of God, but somehow they had taken their eyes off of Jesus. And because the, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, when you turn your back on him, he'll step back. He'll let you go do it in the flesh. He'll let you flounder. But it will not be complete. And that's a battle that we have every day between the flesh and the spirit. But the spirit will not take second, second fill. He will never play second fill. He needs to be first and foremost. And they were to repent. They were to stop. They were to turn around and remember how they had started and then hold fast to that because that was their only hope. If they didn't wake up, he says that he would come and, and, and snatch out whatever they did have. And it reminded me of the five foolish virg virgins who, who, who were left waiting in the darkness, not enjoying the joy of the Lord. They were missing out on the blessings of the Lord. And if this church didn't wake up, they would feel as empty as a homeowner waking up and seeing that he's gotten cleaned out. <laughs> because they stopped being diligent. They stopped watching. They stopped moving forward. They, they stopped being proactive. And became inactive. I would have you turn to First Thessalonians chapter five, but you can do that on your own. And I know that he is alluding to in in in, in that text. He's alluding to the second coming of Jesus Christ, 
And it's quite possible that, that here when he tells a man, if you don't turn things around, I will come as a thief and, and, and you will not know the hour in which I come. I mean, I mean, he could be talking about the second coming here, but he could also be talking about the rapture of the church here. That you are going to be caught sleeping because you haven't been watchful. And I know that there's people that's like, well, you guys, you know, pre-tribulation, whatever. It's like, yeah, hey, man, I want to be proactive. I want to be watching because if I know that I am not a pre-tribber, <laughs> then I will just sit around and do absolutely nothing. It's like, well, we're all going to go through it anyways. And when I see the time's coming and blah, 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 then I'll wake up. It's like, no, man, I want to be a, a pre-tribulation. I, I, you know, again, just looking at the scripture, it's like he keeps on saying, hey, be watchful. He doesn't say, hey, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Be watchful. Be on alert. Always be ready. Because you don't know the hour. You can read about the evil servant in Matthew 24, 45 to 51, where he says, oh, my, the Lord delays is coming. And he just started doing things that were not right because he wasn't being watchful. Verses six, or 4 through 6, again, he, he kind of encourages them, encourages them and says there's a few in, in Sardis whose names, you know, um, they, they have not defiled their garments. They haven't gotten caught up in all of this. They were that few, that remnant. In Pergamos and in Tyra, there seemed to be a few bad among the good, but here it seems that there was a few good among all the bad. Which is noteworthy because Jesus takes note of the few. And He will not punish the righteous with the unrighteous. He will always deliver the few, the remnant. We saw it in the flood, we saw it in Sodom and Gomorrah, and we will see it in the rapture of the church. These few had not defiled themselves. They had not defiled the righteousness of, of Christ Jesus, which is through the Holy Spirit that dwells in them. And he says, they shall walk with me in white, which speaks of purity. And even though things look bad and, and, and even really bad throughout church history, there was always a remnant that remained. Throughout the church, there's always been a remnant who keep themselves unspotted or spot, uh, yeah, unspotted from the world. And the church of Sardis in, in church history falls right, in, right, right after the, the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, and it, it's referred to the Reform Period wh- uh, that took place in the early 1500s to the late uh, 1700s, almost the 1800s. Now I know when we look at verse 5, um, it could give us pause because you begin to wonder whether or not your name is written in the book of life. And if you are, then can it be blotted out? And if it is blotted out, can he put it back in? Let me just try to make it simple as I possibly can, as I need to hurry here. If you are worried about this, it's possible that you are wanting to see just how far you can be from God and the things of God and still be considered not dead. In other words, what's the minimal I have to do? And is it really that bad to be called the nominal Christian? <laughs> and, and, and I would say, my advice to you, if you're concerned about this, is either be all in or all out. Do one or the other. Again, if you want to be in, be all in. If you want to be out, Go on with your bad self. Do whatever you want in that sense. If you're saying, well, I'm going to ride the fence. It's like, guess what? Satan owns the fence too. So be in or out. Because then you will know exactly where you stand. You won't have to worry about if your name is written in the book of life or not. But to me, the promise is clear here. He who overcomes... He who hangs in there, he who presses in, he who is a conqueror and victorious shall be clothed in white garment. If you're worried, then either get in or get out, one or the other. Let me, let me read through the Amplified, these last two, uh, few verses, and, and we'll, we'll finish it off here. In verse 4, it says, Yet you shall, uh, no, yet you still have a few persons' names in Sardis who have not soiled their 
clothes. <clears throat> and they shall walk with me in white because they are worthy and deserving. Verse 5. Thus shall you, thus shall he who conquers is victorious be clad in white garments. And I will not cease, uh, erase or blot his name out of the book of life. I will acknowledge him as mine and will confess him. His name openly before my Father and His angels. Verse 6, He who is able to hear, let him hear too and heed what the Holy Spirit says to the assembly, the churches. I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus is into resurrecting those things which are dead. And you need to check yourself to see where you're at this morning. You look alive, but where's your heart? The Spirit of God gives life, and Jesus came that you may have life, and that more abundantly. And so if you feel like you're in a dead place, this, the solution is wake up, strengthen the things that remain, remember how you once received it and heard it, hold fast and repent. Amen? Let's, let's stand and pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, Again, Lord, I, I pray for everybody that's in this room right now, Lord, and those who may hear this message later on. I pray for them right now, Lord, that, Jesus, you would reveal where we're at with you, that you would help us, Lord, to examine where we are and what, what we're doing even in you right now. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. Capture their hearts, Lord. Those, Lord God, who are barely holding on Lord God and they are ready to die because they've just maintained they've just they've become stagnant I pray that this morning Lord God they would repent that they would wake up Lord and that they would remember just all that you have for them Lord we, we, we look to you because we know that you're able you're able to resurrect the dead Lord and Father if there's any dead in here right now Lord resurrect them that they would be excited about who you are and what you're doing in their life, Lord God, that they would become productive. Lord, again, Lord God, being productive means there's opposition, and I pray that you would give them strength for the opposition, Lord, to hang in there and to press in to the very end. And we give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need